James Lawrenson, Deputy Director of the Australia-China Relations Institute at the University of Technology, Sydney. Welcome to the first of many episodes of the ACRI podcast. ACRI is Australia's only think tank devoted to studying the Australia-China relationship. For more information about ACRI, you can visit our website, australiachinarelations.org. Today, I'm joined by Shunpeng Shi, Principal Research Fellow at ACRI and an Adjunct Senior Research Fellow at the Energy Studies Institute at the National University of Singapore. Shunpeng is also currently serving as the President of the Chinese Economic Society of Australia. Shunpeng is very active in East Asia's energy community and a frequent speaker on China, ASEAN and East Asia energy issues. In academic terms, Shunpeng is also a superstar having multiple publications in the top-ranking energy journals internationally, including Energy Economics and Energy Policy. Today we're going to be talking with Shunpeng about Australia's LNG export industry, how important it is, and how vulnerable it might be to some fairly significant changes that are taking place in the East Asian gas market, which is where most of Australia's LNG ends up. And finally, I might also ask Shunpeng for his thoughts on whether the recent announcement that Australia is willing to place restrictions on LNG exports to ensure sufficient domestic supply is a wise approach. A final comment before getting started is that Shunpeng will also be part of an ACRI panel discussion on July 26, expanding on some of the issues we're going to briefly cover now. It's not too late for interested listeners to register to attend that event, on the future events section of the ACRI website. Let's get started. Shunpeng, welcome. Thanks, James. Can you give our listeners a broad introduction to how important LNG is to Australia, particularly the Australian economy? I think it's, uh, it's irrelevant to, to other key export commodities of Australia. As you all know that the current, the largest uh, export commodity is probably in the resource sector and energy sector, uh, I know, and followed by uh, cooking coal. Those are the large ones. But LNG will soon replace uh, cooking coal as the second largest commodity. In terms of the future trading, trade is also very important because I know and uh, cooking coal all have a more like a flat export outlook, but LNG, in contrast, have a quite positive and fast-growing export potential. Right, so in terms of realising that potential, Shunpeng, how far along the road are we? Um, there's rapid growth at the moment. Do we expect rapid growth for another one year, two years, five years? What are we looking at in terms of, say, the early 2020s? Um, yeah, the most growing will be start from uh, this year until 2018 or 19, depending on other floating LNG project. And so far, Australia positioned well for that because all the infrastructure for liquefaction plants are already invested and are ready to be operated in the next two years. So in that sense, actually, Australia is ready for those significant growth. Okay, and can you clarify this for me? Will Australia soon become the biggest exporter, the world's biggest exporter of LNG? Yes, the current outlook all point out that Australia will be the largest LNG exporter by 2018, and probably later by 2019. But there are two dynamics uh, may change the outlook. One is the US exporter, because other forecasting units mentioned that the US will be in the five years' time because world's largest LNG exporter. And another one is the current largest uh, LNG exporter, Qatar, 
which just announced us two weeks ago that they will increase the export capacity by 30%. If that case, probably Australia will still be number two or number three. But overall, I think the current outlook, Australia will be among the top three and larger LNG exporter in the next 10 years. Okay, but we might only be holding that number one rank for a couple of years. <laughs> exactly, but the absolute amount for Australia outlook is very stable. Okay. So absolute amount is there. Okay, now I don't know a lot about this topic, but haven't spoken to you in the past. You've told me that there are some fairly significant changes taking place right now uh, or in the near, near future in East Asia's gas market, which is, of course, where most of Australia's gas ends up. Can you talk our listeners through some of the key changes that are taking place? Yeah, the fundamental driver factor in the East Asia market is the market, domestic market liberalisation. means that uh, in the wholesale and the retailing sector, uh, there will be four competitions, uh, particularly leading by Japan and followed by China. Japan, for your reference, Japan is the world's largest LNG importer so far, and China is the fast-growing LNG importer. Those kind of market liberalization will force competition and then create a challenge for current price and the business model that prevailing in the LNG contract. Right. So can you talk us through some of the implications of one or two of those big changes, that the market liberalisation, what are the implications for Australian exporters? Yes, the most significant probably will be the change in the price benchmark for Australian LNG export. Currently, all the LNG export are priced against oil price, use a certain percentage linked to oil price. In the future, this kind of mechanic will not be able to maintain because once the domestic market is liberalized, the domestic importer will face the price dynamics generated by their own market fundamental, which are often quite different from oil price. In that sense, soon or later, those energy exporters may force to rethink about the new price index. Uh, that is that happening in the European market. With this kind of index, it could be cost quite a significant challenge for Australian market because all the current deal and the project are put into operation because of the oil indexation. With the new challenges in my past study show that uh, the hub price or the spore price index uh, will disadvantage Australia LNG export because it's a lot of just index sale. But once you change the index and you're subject to the market community in East Asia, the Current business model like a take or pay or limit limit of decision close all things have been changed and given Australia uh, LNG unit have a higher marginal production cost it will be face very tough competition in the global market. Right, you mentioned that Japan's currently the biggest importer and China is the fastest growing importer. Is the push to liberalisation and marketization coming more from Japan or more from China or is it really across the board in East Asia that we're seeing this desire for a more market-based um, approach to LNG trade? Yes, correct. It's actually across the board. Uh, even for Korea and Taiwan, they are thinking about to liberalise even their leg behind. Currently, Japan is leading the process, but China also make very, very clear in the past uh, national top decision that it will follow market rule and regulations. The gas market is liberalized slowly, but uh, it, will, it will be liberalized. It sounds like some very big changes, given that we're talking about what will soon be Australia's second largest export owner, is that correct? Yes. After iron ore? Yeah, yes. Okay. 
Okay, Champagne, well, we might start wrapping up this podcast. To do that, I might ask you a question about um, some Australian government policy that was recently announced. In April, Prime Minister Turnbull said that he was seriously considering uh, restrictions on exports of LNG to ensure that the domestic there was sufficient domestic supply. Uh, what's your take on that policy? Is it a wise approach? Is it necessary? Is it true that Australia could face a domestic shortage of gas because we're exporting so much to the likes of Japan, Korea and China? Um, I would say that the policy itself is a political credit, but a lot of economics, rational and, um, and wise. The reason is that the current policy will force all the LNG produ- uh, exporters to produce as much as they export. This will be limited uh, the possibility for LNG export to buy from domestic gas, which will not allow resource to be allocated at the best, best efficient, most efficient way. So in that sense, I think policy is a lot, lot uh, efficient and correct. Uh, in terms of a shortage of gas, it depends on how we interpret. If we interpret gas as the supply and demand fundamentals, then we have to be faced the challenges that uh, Australia domestic gas become more expensive uh, due to the development of coal seam gas. Now, on the other hand, there are a lot of government limitation exploration so which also limited the future prosperity of indigenous supply. So I would say that as a market economy like Australia, it still should be focused on make the market mechanism create rather than uh, try to use government intervention to make people look happy. But in the long run, I mean, Lord, I feel literally say that this policy will cost Australia in the, in the long run. Right. Well, that's a pretty big conclusion, given that we're talking about a good that will soon become a major export earner for this country. Um, Well, we might wrap it up there. It sounds like an exciting space um, and there's lots of dynamics and the next five years will be a very interesting space to watch. Um, So just a reminder once again that Sean Peng will be participating in a panel discussion on July 26th um, if you are interested in finding out more details about this topic. Please join us for our next ACRI podcast episode, which is shaping up to be a very special one. It's going to feature Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Mei Fong, who will discuss her book One Child. ACRI will be hosting Mei Fong at the Powerhouse Museum on August 1st. Mei Fong will be talking about the lasting effects of the one child policy, which was introduced in 1980 to curb China's population growth. If you haven't yet registered to attend that event, please do so as places are limited. You can register via our website, australiachinarelations.org. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at ACRI underscore UTS. Thanks for listening.